0: Leah is uh, an artist, designer and uh, academic who engages in collaborative research projects to produce innovative technology applications that reveal enduring fascinations with the potential of communications modalities to transcend physical limitations in a meaningful and embodied way. Really? That's That's exactly what they say about you, Leah. (laughs) But um, Leah has uh, done some amazing um, work with uh, jewellery, which um, has um, uh, provided... a a new method of uh, injecting insulin into um, diabetics and uh, her glorious work over there. People are able to interact and pick it up and um, it um, has a little life of its own, but she'll talk about that. (laughs) Here we go, Leah. Okay. um, Hi, everyone. My name's Leah Heiss. Um, I'm here to talk about my practice a little more generally and then the specific market or work that's over there flashing away. So sorry this is quite small but um, I just thought it might be useful to contextualise my practice a little bit before I talk about this particular work here. I've titled this presentation Emotional Drift because most of the work that I've done over the last six years deals with emotion and technology and sort of the relationship that we have with our technology-enabled garments and artefacts and things that are important in our lives. I kind of call my practice emotional technologies and, and that sort of shuffles between subtle technologies, emotional technologies. I'm not quite sure what my practice is called, but <laughs> the other day I put this together when I was thinking it was called subtle technologies. So I, that's just um, a bit of an overview of some of the projects that I've done. I thought within our time frame, I'll only have time to talk about a couple of projects. Um, so that sort of goes through a few more of them. There's sort of four main tenets that kind of underlie all the projects that I do. Um, The first one is utilising advanced technologies to develop potent human scale projects. So even though I'm a spatial designer as a background, um, I tend to work at a very small, intimate scale. So that's starting to shift now and I've started to do some installations, but I'm always interested in the human being within that spatial environment and and what human presence can do to activate environments. Um, I like to augment artifacts that we already have a relationship with so the jewelry work that I've done particularly with nanotechnology Victoria was all kind of looking at the idea that we already have an existing relationship with things like rings and necklaces and even your car keys and rather than having to have some kind of medical apparatus that you use every day can we just put a layer of technology, particularly nanotechnology, because it's so small, on top of what you already love and cherish. Um, the third thing that I'm interested in is using next generation technologies to enrich our emotional experience of the world. So, And my the fourth thing, I suppose, is that I collaborate to expand art <coughs> practice. So my practice is intensely collaborative. Um, I can't do anything without collaborating with people. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm good at a whole lot of things in a small kind of way, but I'm not a master of anything apart from, I guess, I'm a designer. So I work with, um, you know, scientists and electronic engineers and music creation people and jewellery designers and all sorts of people. Um, that's a bit of a snapshot of the projects that I've done which is pretty small, but you'll see some of them. I I work, because I work at a small scale, I make things quite quickly, um, which is a great thing because you end up with a body of lots of projects. So I've probably got 20, I don't know, 20 projects over the last six years, as opposed to if I was working at a bigger scale, I may only have one or two. (laughs) Um, So that allows me to kind of try and shuffle them together and work out what the weird synergies are. And that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. I'm starting a PhD next year which seems like a completely stupid thing to do because I'm about to have a baby, but I don't know. I figure we'll just do it all at once and something might fall away or it all might end up fine, but we don't really know. Um, and as part of that process, I'm trying to work out what the bodies of work are that I've created. And in that book, that was sort of looking at, I've probably got sort of three nanoscale bodies of work, one that's dealing with therapeutics, one that I call material poetics, just material investigations and one that's starting to be more spatial. Uh, I then have a background in um, electronically enhanced garments and artifacts, so garments that sense and transmit heartbeat over distance, referencing a lot of the same neurological work that you've been doing, how people empathize mm-hmm. face-to-face and how you can facilitate that at a distance. Um, and before that was sort of was a, a much bigger scale kind of things that I was doing. Um, So, I just wanted to talk about two bodies of work kind of briefly. Um, My therapeutic work, which I developed with Nanotechnology Victoria, Um, and that started during a residency in 2007, and something that I call kind of material poetics, which is working with nano-engineered materials, I guess trying to challenge them and trying uh, to see what they do in, in certain situations very much at that sort of intimate scale and this is part of that body of work. Um, It's just a shot from my last exhibition that I had here into last year I think yeah in 2008 but it it was just thinking about about exhibiting small things so it's sort of interesting how you go about exhibiting small things but exhibitions for me are, are kind of a really important thing they're how I test work, and what I'm finding with this is that I thought it was going to behave in one way, but it's behaving in a totally, entirely different way than I thought it was going to, depending on how many people pick it up, and so um, they're sort of user testing platforms, and they're the environment in which I can get some feedback on the things that I'm doing, see if it's valuable or not. Um, Okay, so in 2007, I was artist-in-residence with Nanotechnology Victoria, and through that residency, I worked with very talented nanotechnology scientists, and I developed two bodies of work. Um, one was a jewellery diabetes-based work, and the other was dealing with um, arsenic purification. Um, the diabetes work was very interesting, they, they had these extraordinary patches that Nanotechnology Victoria had developed in collaboration with a number of other research institutes, um, and the patches are about 10 millimetres across, and they have a, between 1 and 10,000 needles on their surface. and. Basically, they allow nano-engineered insulin to go through the skin into the body so that diabetics don't need to inject anymore. Um, and I thought these were very elegant, beautiful little tiny things. <laughs> and then then the scientist said, oh, and we've had these, this um, applicator designed, and the applicator was about that big with blue with a big red button on it. And I thought, well, it's really kind of bizarre because it's such a beautiful technological solution to replace a big ugly syringe but the application device was so big and chunky Mm -hmm. that it did away with you know any good that was done through developing this extraordinary technology so I was thinking about how you could um, develop application mechanisms um, to allow this these patches to be applied to the skin and worn throughout the day that people could have a a much stronger relationship with and so I came up with um, a set of rings and a neck piece um, Oh, sorry, okay. So the neck piece is basically, could also be a keychain, you know, for guys. Um, It's basically kind of looks like a contemporary piece of jewelry, but you take it off and um, you load up your patch and you apply it to the skin. You can do that very discreetly. And then the patch is held in place by a ring that has, um, it's kind of a little mechanism to hold it tight to the skin. Um, and I suppose the idea was whether rather than having to carry around uh, the, the applicator came in a, big, in a big silver box and I thought well rather than having to do that could we have something very, very discreet that you could develop a very strong relationship with um, but that would also keep you well and healthy throughout the day. Um, and the other project that I developed through that residency and the great thing with the residency was that it was I was basically there a year, I had a baby in the middle, so I sort of did four months and then went away for a while and then came back and did another four months. (laughs) Um, But a family of 15, you know, (laughs) there's only the second one. Um, The great thing was um, we developed these great working relationships and even though Nanotechnology Victoria doesn't operate as Nanotechnology Victoria anymore, I have very strong relationships with the scientists from that organisation and we continue to talk about projects and make projects uh, the other project that I did with Nanovik through my residency was, um, was looking at the idea of developing sort of jewellery and um, uh, water vessel devices that would purify drinking water of arsenic and other contaminants. And this was looking at countries like India and Bangladesh, um, where particularly in well water arsenic is incredibly prevalent. So many people are affected by it, but it really isn't spoken about. Um, If you don't have access to a laboratory, which most people don't, you just have to drink the water, you don't really have a choice. So, um, yeah, I was looking at some very, very small scale things that people could uh, just sort of keep in their pocket or wear on the body that would negate the need to have access to a lab. And so I developed a sort of... It was sort of kind of a neck piece that works with an active nano-engineered chemical called mesoporous iron oxide. That removes arsenic from drinking water Um, and a series of water vessels that um, were sort of uh, rapid prototype stereolithography prints but they were they look a bit like kidneys but they were kind of designed to fit quite snugly on the body and they have a series of filters in them so basically you just take the lid off your water vessel um, fill it up with water tip some of your or, or pinch some of your mesoporous iron oxide in, put the lids and the filters back on, leave it for about 20 minutes and then it's safe to drink. And you can't overdose on the, the iron oxide particles. So as long as you've got enough, which isn't a very much, not a very large amount in, in the drinking water, it'll be safe to drink. Um, now the other things, projects, I'll just introduce quickly and then we'll go and have a look at the work. Um, the other body of work that I started to do My therapeutic works are still going. I'm doing another project with the nanotechnologists. It's in very early days, which is um, a jewelry device that senses sulfite in food and wine. Basically sulfites are added to orange juices and wines and fruits and all sorts of seafoods. Um, And if you have a sulfite allergy, it can result in asthma or
1: all the
0: way through to anaphylactic shock. So people that have a sulfite allergy don't have a choice. They just have to not eat. 40% of all food and things. So we're looking at some kind of very enabling device that would just be a small necklace piece that you could very subtly drop in your glass of (laughs) wine. No chance, I'm not drinking that, or yeah, I feel safe enough to drink that. Um, So in tandem with the therapeutic works, um, I've been playing around with nanomaterials, uh, developing projects from shape change metals, uh, magnetic liquids, um, electroluminescent materials, uh, and trying to do things with aerogel, but it's an impossible material to work with. Um, and so a lot of these projects, they're very small scale again, and they're sort of looking at you know, how our jewellery and personal artefacts could respond to energies around us. So this is Polarise, which is a piece developed using magnetic liquid. Um, and yeah, this was designed for an installation at 45 downstairs as part of the L'Oreal Melbourne Fashion Festival. And they're really beautiful little things. They actually look like, um, they look like sea anemones. Mm-hmm. And the great thing I like about exhibiting this work is that... Oh, this is Peter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is that people really don't know what's going on. And basically, they, they look like little, um, little glass vessels with sea anemones in them, and, and they just kind of sporadically polarise. What people don't know is that there's a whole lot of motors underneath with magnets that are forcing these to polarise sporadically. Um, but the great thing that happens when you exhibit this work is people think that it's their own magnetic energy, and so they start sort of, Ooh. <laughs> It's a really, really kind of nice, and unforeseen outcome of the work. Um, this was all part of an Australia Council grant. As part of that, I started working with nitinol as well, which is shape-change metal, and developing wearable artefacts that respond to human warmth. And these are just a couple of pieces. I was going to show a film, but I, I think time's all a little bit short, but it's on my website, so you can have a look. Um, but basically, jewellery that, uh, when you wear it, it starts to kind of unfurl um, and respond to your sort of human presence. OK, so this was, I guess, the third kind of element in this body of work is, is dealing with um, electroluminescent materials. And we've been dealing with those in practice, um, making large-scale things, and also teaching, um, with my colleague Rosie Scott here, <laughs> using all of these nano-engineered materials. <clears throat> the first ones that I did are these little pods. They were emotion pods, and they were little things, sensor-enabled devices that, that looked at social behaviours and also looked at the way that you kind of connect to small, sweet things that react to you. Um, and we've also done. Rosie and I did a project as part of the State of Design, which was, you know, integrating EL into larger scale environments and trying to create. They were sort of non-interactive, but the next stage would be to make them interactive. The sort of kind of crazy environments that go from the real to the virtual. Um, I just take you over here. Okay, got about one minute left. <laughs> and so this piece is called Drift, and. The interesting thing with this work is that it's kind of an extension on the emotion pods that I did a couple of, well, I think, last year. It's a, I think of it as a marquette, so my work isn't... You know, this isn't 10 years in the making. It's a month, you know, six weeks in the making. It's sort of high churn, high-turnover. Um, and it's basically kind of looking at the idea that each of these little guys might have its own kind of behaviour. And you pick them up... When you pick them up, they generally should respond to you and give you some kind of oral and and visual feedback. The only thing that's happened, and this is a good thing about exhibiting this kind of work, is that it's behaving in a way that I anticipated it behaved. And and what it's actually doing is that, unless you put them back in their their little nests, they forget to go back to sleep. So, um, but that's all good, you know, it's all good to know these things. And then they start to kind of battle it out, which is another unforeseen thing. (laughs) Um, And so this is sort of looking at the idea that you might... um, We're we're basically embedded microprocessors in everything around us, in our fridges and our televisions and our microwaves. In the domestic scenario, the behaviours that they elicit are, you know, very straightforward and mundane. But within art practice, you can start to... Expect you can have sort of all sorts of quite odd emergent behaviours that come out of these devices, and you can start to embody them with more playful kind of outcomes. Yeah, so and I think this will be kind of a market for a larger project that we might do. You no, know? so okay, don't do it that way, do it some other way. <laughs> um, but that's about it. Thanks for listening. So, uh, one question here: the potential,
1: or the actual commercial application, the patenting, and the commercial implications of what you've been doing.
0: Oh, that's a very good question, um, and that comes up quite a lot with the work, particularly the therapeutic work. Uh, I mean, the issue that I, I kind of come up against quite a lot is that the the actual technologies that I work with are often in medical testing for a very long time, so the patches. I think they're still five years off, or yes. they 're about five years off yeah so it 's kind of working at that next level it 's working five years in the future um, and i 'm not terribly good at i 'm not terribly good at doing the same things over and over again, so I have that that nasty capacity to lose interest a little bit well, i don 't lose interest necessarily in the the projects but unless um, I can do something to change them and alter them and And refine them. Um, I'm not very good at the whole marketing side of things. So I suppose for me, they operate as idea generators and they get people talking and they get media coverage um, and they invite quite a different audience to think about therapeutic technologies and the idea of intimate scale prototypes than usually would think about those sorts of things. So the commercial applications, longer term, hopefully there'll be something. But at the moment, I'm just in the process of generating and then course I think this, <laughs> yeah.
1: So for example, your your like magnetic fluid work. Maybe if you discuss it together, it has a bit the notion of it mystifies the technology behind it. Like you hide magnets, so uh, yeah. you kind of how you think maybe in a discussion with the scientist. Like on one way it would be to explain like the, re- <clears throat> the real like technology and the science, yeah. but you kind of have this very aesthetics kind of a mystifying approach. Is that kind of a do you have a missed kind of a dispute about that?
0: Hmm. <laughs> no. Did you want it?
1: Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Peter and I worked with Leah on this area and uh, Leah described it before exactly right. We had a terrific technology for delivering drugs through the skin and we had an ugliest sin mechanism for doing so, something that was hideous and you would rather suffer the debilitating effects of diabetes than go through the trauma that that we were going to do. However, when Leah brought the concept of using something as simple and elegant as jewellery, something that you wear intimately every day, and said, you can use that as a drug delivery device, and you can configure that in many different ways, and you can personalise it, it actually opened up a whole set of options, and it Uh, You said you're not a marketing person, but you actually provided the marketing that we needed for the technology. Everyone thought that that providing easy insulin uh, from some other way than a syringe was going to be great for diabetes, but nobody wanted to just have a bland patch or some kind of uh, ugly device that could be used. So you actually provided the marketing that we needed, and it actually gave a, a real boost to the whole project, and it gave the scientists something that they were really proud of. And the idea of this delivery mechanism, uh, and just back to the IP point, the the design itself is protectable and is protected, and is important in its own way, and is different from the patches themselves. Um, but but that has actually boosted the whole technology. It's been a tremendous innovation, and the scientists are really excited by it. So thank you.
0: Thank you. <laughs> That's great. Question about Oh, the hiding of the technology. Yeah, no. I think particularly with the material work, um, there wasn't really an expectation of a particular outcome and I was just interested to see how you could work with the materials. Um, we had lots of really interesting materials at Nanovic which were in, I guess, tough tubes and things like that. And so I was thinking, well, they're quite extraordinary and how can we get them out maybe into a gallery context and start to deal with their interactive qualities in a way that's not like a science lab where you say, okay, everyone, this is magnetic fluid. And if I put a magnet near it, it polarizes, but start to draw out some of those, um, yeah, more mystical qualities, I suppose. Yeah. But I had free reign to do kind of whatever I wanted. So that was good. <laughs> okay. Thank okay, you, very thank, much. you. And thank you everyone for the floor talk. And please start